you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Damashek football program available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. Welcome to the Dave Damashek football program, available as always on Stitcher, iTunes, and nfl.com slash check. You know, as I hear that chant chant there, uh, black tie behind the glass, it occurs to me, I looked at NFL.com slash Sheck, S-H-E-K, and all the videos that we're doing are not standardly up there anymore. Is that correct? Is that how you want to start the show? I'm just asking you because we're. I don't want to. I want no, to. We have I want a to be a page. podcast of truth. We have a podcast video page that you can visit if you want the videos up on your blog. I mean, there are people I'm sure who can help with that. All right, so All let's right. make it so. I just don't want to discourage people. Right, but, I, people, people are probably looking for the uh, video brand, uh, the 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 mirth. Uh, that we make with yeah. the videos, and then they look there, and they're, oh, that must not exist. NFO.com slash podcast. You have it all there. The video is there as well. Yes, correct. All right, thank you. Black Tie, we'll get to you in just a minute. Right now, though, let's say hello to a Studio 66 Maximum Strength. A little slow on the draw there, Black Tie. Um, we are, this is going to be a good show today, I think, and we're going to have Malcolm Jenkins of the Philadelphia Eagles in here. Our old pal Style Girlfriend is going to talk a little uh, pigskin fashion for us at the end of the show. Right now, though, the draft is all the buzz, and uh, the guy who's been delivering great insight for the last couple of months here on the show, our quarter poll Shecky Award winner, it's Bucky Brooks. What's the poop, fella? What's going on, Sheck? Well... Uh, you know, the Final Four is going on, and I'm sorry that your UNC heels aren't a part of it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very disappointed that we didn't finish the deal. We had an opportunity to knock off Wisconsin. They were the better team that night. They'll go on to the Final yeah. Four. Well, somebody who couldn't care less about the college basketball Final Four is seated to your immediate left. <laughs> All the way from London, England, he's our resident Miami Dolphins fan. It's Handsome Hank. He's handsome, he's handsome, he's handsome, you know, now I'm talking Final Four. Just off the cuff, it occurs to me. Hello, handsome. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for I, that. I'm sorry. I do I, care. I, you know, I do care a little bit. I take offense you? that, I, of course, I've watched some of it. How could you not? Have you ta- I taken have watched some in? Have you taken... find it as exhilarating as most people do? I think, well, like, I mean, like most got basketball, I enjoy the, the, the end of it. <laughs> not not the minutes. very end of it, the last couple of minutes. I mean, yeah. not like the end. end. Well, you know, not as when a, it finishes. I, it, you know, a couple of things, um, and we're going to talk uh, Jameis Winston here in just a second. His pro day on Tuesday and some other draft related items. 
But, you know, college basketball is what people are talking about right now. It's a juicy Final Four relative to where what the Final Fours have been the last five or six years. I thought UConn winning it in, in 2014 just should be the death knell for anybody who says, well, this is the best tournament in sports. That was a, a bum team that won the national title last year. Not this time around, though. Bucky Brooks. This is a, a great collection of head coaches. In that you have Coach K, mm-hmm. you have Tom Izzo, who does it uh, just about every year. You know, seven Final Fours in 20 seasons as a head coach is remarkable stuff. You know who else did that? Coach K did it as well. In fact, I had to look it up. From 96 to, I mean, from uh, 86 to 94, he was in seven of nine possible Final Fours. I find that a remarkable deed. Bo Ryan at Wisconsin, and then... Johnny Calipari. And then Calipari, who is controversial at the least, if you agree with his methods. Anyway, Handsome Hank, I start with you. Final four coaches in the NFL. What if we did a bracket? Mm. Who are the four best coaches in the NFL? See, that's... That's, that's what, hard hitting. That's like, relating topical right. sports news to our I didn't know where football. you were going to go there, but I, I, I like that you did. How about... Well, we'll put Belichick. Obviously, right? Belichick's going to be in it. Although... Wonder what we would say. You know, um, we did a week ago with Rosenthal. We love Greg Rosenthal from around the NFL. We look back at the last two months and how that second and goal in the Super Bowl affected the legacies of everybody and the decisions that the Patriots and Seahawks have made in free agency and trades and otherwise. I wonder how much of a dent Belichick's um, sort of profile would have taken had not calling that timeout cost the Patriots the Super Bowl. I still think he's yeah. one of the top four coaches, but he would be out of the discussion. He's the best no, coach no, of no. all time. No, no, no. Out yeah, of he the discussion. If he gave away that last but, Super Bowl and he hadn't won one in, in uh, 10 years, I think, yeah, people but would But right now you're celebrating the fact that these that someone or these two guys have been in seven of, what, the last 20 Final Fours. Yeah, I guess you're right. Bel- the equivalent is Belichick being in the AFC Championship pretty much every year, which it, which happens. Too so bad. I don't know how you would. You win this round, handsome. All right, thing. so let's put him in. Let's put Pete Carroll in for now. I like John Harbour a lot. I think that you know, if Jim Harbour was still in the league, I think he would probably be in there as well. But I think John Harbour kind of got overshadowed by his brother. So there's three of them. I don't know. Number four is a tough one. Oh, I don't think it is. I think Bucky's going to provide us with uh, with that fourth name there. Go ahead, Buck. I had, it's funny, Hank and I agreed. Bel- Belichick, Pete Carroll, John Harbour, and then I had Mike McCarthy from the Okay. Oh, that's a good call. Well, you guys both left off Bruce Arians. Did you consider him at all? Uh, I mean, he's been to the playoff, but I don't know if I consider him. You don't think Bruce Arians, his deed, since he basically coached, coached the Colts to the playoffs, mm-hmm. and then what he's but done he with, in he Arizona. He's been to a championship game, though, right? I know, but it's a pretty remarkable stuff. I think, he, I think the Final Four, it means you have to get to at right. least the championship it's level. It's incomplete grade for him right now. <laughs> it's not to say that he might not be if he makes it to a champ. If, if he had done by now, yeah, probably you would throw him on that list. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's a given at this stage. And you feel like... I'd say Mike Tomlin is probably... I was just going to throw out Tomlin is another name that I think people put up there. He'll be another guy. But, you know, when <clears throat> what it really made me look at was the amount of turnover we've had in the National Football League hmm. because you don't have an established set of guys that have been there a long time. You would like to say Tom Coughlin, but if they don't win the Super Bowl, they're just average. Right. They mm-hmm. don't make the playoffs. It's either playoff Super Bowl yeah, it's or Super Bowl or bust. Yeah, so it's it's tough to throw those guys in there. I like Mike Tomlin because they've had a level of success there, but then they missed the playoffs, what, two years in a row? Oh, yeah. Eight yeah. and eight, two years in a row. And yeah. then they lost to Tebow. The you greatest know, shame uh, possible, I would think. You could throw John Fox's name in there because they went to a Super Bowl. They've been to championship games. He's what about that. Rexy? Rex, too. Rex has been to two. Because if you're talking about game. turnover and uh, that, that it seems to Because if we're talking about the Final Four, the Final Four means you have to lead your but, team yeah. to the championship. Right. And and Rex has done that, but he's also had, like, terrible years. I think you, you've got to have the con- the consistency as well. If we talk about McCarthy, just, they go back to the playoffs every year. Of course, Bucky yeah. says John Fox. It's really about the quarterback as well, isn't it? You yeah. can't really separate those two things. Although John Fox did it with Jake DeLorme rather yep. than Peyton Manning, too. So I yeah, guess yeah that's, can, a, that's a good point. You give him line. a... Uh, what about Andy Reid? Andy Reid, you know, for all <laughs> the abuse, he's Bucky's been, he's been yeah. a, no, no, because no, he's been to five. He has been to five championship games. I think. Yeah, he's been five to the Super Bowl. Games, really could have won a Super Bowl if his QB didn't get a, oh, a oh tough God, belly. Because they were down, they were down by a number of points. 
Like, we can't say they should have won. I didn't say they should have won. I, I said mean, they could have won. They could have. They like, should have. Uh, at the like, kickoff, they could have won. But <laughs> after that, it wasn't. You understand, I didn't make up that Donovan McNabb threw up on the field. He did it on no, his did. own. That wasn't my fault. He did, but that's not why they lost. You said, like, you were, you were alluding to the fact that Donovan being sick prevented them from winning. That is not why they All lost. right. I'm just trying to rewrite history a little bit because I think it's funny that the starting quarterback in the Super Bowl threw up in the fourth quarter on the field. That's pretty crazy. Jim Kelly used to throw up every t- before every game. All right. Well, there's one thing about throwing up like we in the privacy wait. of we the locker room. And we couldn't run out until he <laughs> threw up. Like, that's the thing. That was part of the tradition. In what Buffalo. are you talking about? What do you mean you could? We, we couldn't go out? The whole team? The whole team. We waited for him to throw up in the stall before we could run out on the field. Did he ever not have it? Did he ever, sorry, he, guys. He would tell you that he would fake it. But, like, that was the thing. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's great. That, that was, look it up. Like, that's one of the things that they talk about. So, there was the Millionaires Club when I was there. It was Daryl Talley, Bruce Smith, Andre Reed, Thurman Thomas, uh, Cornelius, couple Bennett. Of Cornelius Bennett, Jim Kelly. That was the crew. So, everyone had to get out of the locker room before those guys. But those guys wouldn't leave until Jim gave them the ceremonious throw up. <laughs> Before they walked out. Let's go, guys. Wipe the vomit off his chin. That's that's part of the deal because he would get nervous and keyed up and throw up before every game. And you and and was it was it met with uh, great cheers? Hey, let's go! All right, right. (laughs) he's ready ready to go. Yeah, he's he's ready now. So that is a that is a ridiculous. People taking a peek in the stall. Not a good one, though. Yeah. Um, you know, I also then I'm thinking again now basketball's on the brain. Scott Brooks of OKC is often held up as the reason why the Thunder have never won a title. Who in the NFL is holding his team back? Who potentially has or who has or potentially might be the reason his team doesn't get over the hump? I have one guy in in mind because I was surprised to hear a little buzz that his, his job might be in jeopardy if this team doesn't go deep this year. Jeff Fisher. Oh, that's it. Is holding his team back. St. Louis Rams. That team should be team playoff be look at, look, caliber look, team. Look at, look at their roster. Look I kind team. of agree with you. And yet, it's funny, he's in a, the football community, he's kind of regarded as him, one a, of the great coaches. He's the, king, he's the king of 8-8. Eight eight. He's the king of mediocrity. It really is true, yeah. isn't it? King of 8-8. Eight eight. He's, he's 17, 18 years as a head coach. I think he's only been to the playoffs six or seven times. And you talk about narratives and you know whether or not they're phony or not, but it is interesting that if you do one great thing, you can ride that for a long time. You know, Mike Martz rode this uh, offensive wizard thing for a very long time, for what, 15 years after the yeah. greatest show on turf? Yeah. Um, and Jeff Fisher probably benefits. Well, he got that Tennessee Titans team to the Super Bowl. That's and, right. and And th- therefore, but yeah, they have been, his teams have been pretty mediocre ever since. So. I mean, look at the Rams. You, you can say that the Rams, yeah, the quarterback, Sam Bradford being hurt, hurt them, but that defense has enough talent. They have enough talent offensively. They should be a team that is in the playoffs at a minimum. Handsome? Uh, I'm, I feel like I might I know who he's going to say. I feel like he's, I might be a bit too close to this. He's going to say Joe Philbin? But Joe Philbin. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the Dolphins for the last two years going into, let's say they hit week 12 and they're very much in playoff contention. And they, in the last month of the season, they have underperformed. And I don't think that it's a... Uh, any kind of coincidence that Joe Philbin's not exactly a, a, the motivational character that's going to get a team like that over the hump if, they, if they're that close. The co- coaching does matter. Coaching matters. Uh, and f- from a motivational standpoint, I don't know how big of a factor that is, but I think players look to coaches to, to get answers. Right. So that, that coach needs to have a level of X and O acumen that allows them to solve whatever problems that you have. And when you look at New England and Bill Belichick, it's not uncommon for him to get on the knee, get on the grease board and say, here's how we're going to solve this problem that they're giving us from an offensive standpoint. Your head coach needs to be able to deliver those answers so you can play at a high level. Do you buy, though, that – do you think Mike Tomlin's doing that? I, I find it hard to imagine that, I you know, um, Levy and Bell comes to him and says, I need to you, uh, explain the philosophy of what we're doing here. If they're, if, they're, if they're in a tailspin, he has to be able to right the ship. doesn't mean that he has to be micromanaging and doing everything, but when it's going down, when they're in a two- or three-game losing streak, can the head coach say, this is how we're going to get out of it? And if it requires them to get on the board and be an X and O's guy, they have that. Mike Tomlin has the ability because he was a defensive coordinator. There's some in the league that don't have that ability. 
And if things aren't going right, you better be able to, as a head coach, convince your team and the players like why you're why you're using this philosophy. And I think that's probably where Philbin suffers. I don't know if they're necessarily all convinced that he knows exactly how he's going to write the ship. What does happen, Bucky? I was talking with somebody the other day. You know, the rhetoric of a head coach, you have to be able to pump your team up. And you also hear coaches say, hey, if, you, if, if you're a professional athlete and you can't get up for a game, then you don't belong in the regular. And I believe that more coaches than not don't deliver Newt Rockney-type speeches before games any longer. Nobody attempts that. But that being said, when you hear this thing of like, guys, we need the win today or we're done. We we mu- we start a new season today. You know, you've been on a little slide. What when you lose that game? What does the coach then say? What does he say? Like, I was just kidding. Next week, though, absolutely, we better win that one. Yeah, I, I think the coach has to have really a, a strong sense of the locker room. He has to have his pulse on the team, and he has to be able to deliver messages to kind of fit the situation. I don't think you try and make everything an ultimatum. Uh, if we don't do this, it's all over. I think you continue to write the ship. The main thing is trying to get guys to understand individual process individual progress and collective progress let's continue to get better and better uh john fox is, is funny because for fans it's hard to imagine our goal every quarter of the season was to just be three and one we want to go three and one each quarter of the season that'll put us at 12 and four and more than likely that would give us home field advantage and so if we had a month where we were two and two he said look we're off the mark we need to make that up but to think that your head coach is already conceding that we may lose a game in the month that's Uncommon on the that outside weird, world, yeah. but on the inside world, look, you go to 12 and 4, you pretty much are going to get all the things you want. You're probably going to win your division. It's probably going to put you in a position to get the number one seed to have home field advantage. That's going to put you on a two game trip to the Super Bowl. Um, well, the name I was referring to five or 10 minutes ago that I've heard a little bit of buzz about is Chuck Pagano. How say you on that one, Bucky Brooks? Is he, what if they go, what if they do anything less than win the division? Is he going to be in? Is his job going to be in jeopardy? I think he's a good coach. I think they've done a great job in Indianapolis. You think about a team that was two and fourteen. He comes in. They flip the entire roster. You bring in a rookie quarterback, and as good as Andrew Luck is, you still talk about playing with a young quarterback who's still trying to learn his way. The fact that they've been a consistent uh, player, not only in the AFC playoffs, but a team that has kind of made its way to the championship game. I don't think you can hold his him accountable to their failures because. I think that roster is still not complete. It's not balanced. Some of the moves that they've made, whether it be trying to build that offensive line, has not necessarily worked out. The Trent Richardson trade didn't work out. But yet that team has continued to be a team that's relevant. Some would put a lot of that on Andrew Luck. And his presence certainly helps them. But I think Chuck has done a good job of managing that team and allowing them to continue to be a team that is a bully in the AFC South. I think it's interesting. We've mentioned pretty much all the names. I think Jeff Fisher's job is in jeopardy if they don't uh, turn things around. Uh, Joe Philbin is certainly in that same spot. The other name that continues to fascinate me is Marvin Lewis. All these years, when we look back in, in a quarter century, we will look back and say, how did that guy keep his job for so long achieving so little? They've been to four straight playoffs. Right. They've never won four, a playoff game. Four straight play. They've you never ha- won a playoff. You game. have to get in the tournament. So, so what we're saying is, they've never won. If a I'm a Giants game, fan, been there for 13 years. if I'm a Giants fan, I'm fine with us going to the Super Bowl. We win it, but then we're gonna have these four and five year absences before we show up again. Oh yes. No. I you mean to tell me that wouldn't be, be a level? There has to be a level of consistency. The what about you as a always, player? Getting it. You have to be in the dance to have an opportunity to dance at the final song. You, so Bucky, there's no the way. Dance. I absolutely I understand how hard it is to win consistently in the league. You're a Steelers fan. You're eight and eight for back to back years. So we're saying that the Cincinnati Bengals have been to the playoffs four straight years. There's something that goes along with that. You have to be in the mix. They're in the mix. I I can't say that he should be on the high seat with that. I mean, it's no, Dave. That's no different to a player. How we, we, if you, if Ben Roethlisberger, who has been at the, through his career, the picture of consistency. If he, if he had three down years and then suddenly is like the best quarterback in the league one year, you don't want to keep that guy around forever. I understand, but from a fan's perspective, and I would submit, Bucky, correct me if I'm wrong. You'd rather, as a player, wouldn't your career? Wouldn't you prefer your career to be three bum seasons and a Lombardi Trophy? There's something that you have to talk about consistency. You have to be consistently in the mix, and the Bengals are consistently there. Now, you can hold them to task because they haven't won the big game. 
But when has Cincinnati ever been a consistent power? So the fact that they That's what saves winning, them is that, Bucky. No, but, that's but what it saves them. Winning the division. And well, that, look that at division. Cincinnati Bengals history. What have they ever done? That's why, that's why they, he survives. They, no, they consistently win the division. I think you would be satisfied with the fact that they've won a couple of division titles. They've been in the playoffs four straight years. Yeah, everyone wants to win the title, but that, that's not a reality. Everyone doesn't win the Super Bowl. Like, that's part of it. You have to be in the mix to have an opportunity to be in the tournament. You All just right. want to get in the tournament. All that's right. the biggest thing. Get in the tournament. Give yourself a chance. I would love to debate this for another 30 minutes, if not 60, because from a fan's perspective, that philosophical thing of – I know the around the NFL guys were just talking about that a week or two ago – and uh, and ask my opinion on it. I think if you have never won before as a fan, if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, you would trade 20 years of losing seasons for one Lombardi trophy. Yeah, I mean, everyone wants to be the Holy well, you, Grail. Yeah, you trade but, losing but, seasons. Okay, so let, let's just say the Miami Marlins, who are the Florida In Marlins. exchange for, would you rather have 20 seasons where you go to the playoffs and never win? Would you rather be an Eagles I, I guess, fan? I, I, or guess, a, I guess let's go to baseball, the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves consistently won their division year after year after year and gave themselves opportunities. Would you rather be a Braves fan where you're always there or are you okay being the Marlins fan? They won two World Series, but if they're not in the World Series, they, the don't, perfect, they don't go. That's so what, the perfect yep. example. So well, the Marlins, the only thing that I, I don't mean to, to dodge your question, but the Marlins are this new team, and so uh, I can't really relate to their fan base, but I would think if the Marlins had been around for 40 years and then they finally get a World Series, I think those fans would say, all right, 10 years, well, I don't care if we, if we never have a winning record again. That doesn't again. work. Answer me this now, Bucky. We have to shift gears because Malcolm Jenkins is coming in here and black tie behind the glasses. He's furious. He's He's going wild. He doesn't like it. Why are you having an interesting uh, philosophical discussion? Because he wants us to uh, cover the big news item of the week in the NFL. That's Jameis Winston's pro day. No one else is talking about it. It happened like 20 minutes ago, and we have Bucky in studio. And no, right, and no one else is talking about it, we so we've got to well, get to it. Let me pull the curtain back fully. I tweeted this out that Bucker is going to be on the show talking about James. All right, okay, we'll see now that makes sense. Sure, let's talk about Just it. Just don't jive me. That's all. Shoot straight with me. Let's talk about it. All right, Bucky Brooks, lay it on us. What did we see there? There was a lot of buzz. It seemed early, especially like, wow, Jameis Winston is blowing it here. It, that. For one, a pro day is really only supposed to highlight the things that you saw on tape. A pro day should never hurt you. It should never kill your status. It should just make the evaluator go back to the tape to see if some of the issues that may have popped up in the pro day popped up on tape. Or if there were some concerns about an issue on tape, let's answer those at the pro day workout. When I watched Jameis workout today, I saw a guy that is a big, strong arm thrower, a guy that is a complete pocket passer. I saw someone that is still working to refine his mechanics and his footwork. He is a baseball pitcher, meaning he has a long windup and delivery because he was a pitcher. He's used to throwing off the mound. Now, as a full-time football player, you're trying to shorten up those mechanics, make sure he's always throwing from a balanced platform. I saw that. The issues that happened today for Jameis is when George Whitfield instructed him to move around and make what I think are some unrealistic throws, deep corners, deep out routes. He did. Making, I mean, there were some plain, like some, like to, to like, my untrained eye, looking at some of the things that they had him dodging the broomsticks, backing up to his left and uncorking a deep ball. Things, Why are you having him do that? Yeah. Well, the, so, it just some, isn't, it doesn't look good for right. coming off of anybody's hand. No, so some of those things didn't put Jameis in the best light. But I think what you take away from Jameis's workout, everything that was at a second level, meaning the deep digs, things that were pushed down the field, Jameis can throw that without any problem, whether it's from the opposite hash to the far sideline, whether it's pushing the ball on the vertical throw, the go, the post, the deep corner, he can make all those throws. I believe putting him in a vertical passing game, which features a lot of play action, a lot of maybe half bootleg action where he really can throw the ball down the field, supported by a strong running game, he's going to shine. Interestingly, Dirk Cutter traditionally runs an offense like that. I believe a lot of the conversation is because the draft is still a month away. We don't have anything to talk about, so we pick <laughs> apart what people do in shorts. Jameis showed on tape that he was the best quarterback. He threw at the combine alongside all the top quarterbacks in the draft, and we all said he shined. There's nothing that he could do at his pro day that would diminish his value as a number one quarterback in the draft. Well, say that there's your answer there, Black Tie. I, I, I tend to agree. Well, I, I absolutely agree, in fact. I don't think there's any um, – 
any there was nothing I haven't heard anything from you from Daniel Jeremiah or anyone else that would lead me to believe that the Buccaneers aren't still going to take him number one and to your point about throwing the deep ball and everything imagine he's a gambler you know that's the the knock on him is that he is that he makes some bad choices and um where better suited could he be in all the NFL just about than throwing the ball? I know the offensive line is lousy, and I, that's the next question for you there. But at the very least, Mike Evans, Vincent Jackson, and the big tight end Austin, Austin Safarian Jenkins, yeah. he can throw those and not uh, pay a penalty for it. Right? No, he won't pay a penalty, but let's understand this. He's a very accurate thrower. He's a guy that throws with timing and anticipation, meaning that he releases the ball before the receivers are well out there breaks. A lot of times when we watch the game on TV, we hear announcers say, oh, can the quarterback throw the guy open, meaning can he throw him to a spot that's away from the defense? Jameis Winston has been able to do that consistently during his time in college. So when he gets to the next level, plays in an offense that will require him to make those anticipation throws, he will be fine with that. It actually puts him ahead of the curve. And I saw my colleague Lance Zerling talked about Jameis being one of the top five quarterbacks that have come out since 2010 where he was stacked. I absolutely believe that. When you look at the Andrew Lux of the world, the Cam Newtons or whatever, he's positioned right behind those guys. High football IQ, great physical tools. He's a leader. And more importantly, he's clutch. Consistently brings his team back. 26-1 and one as a starter. He has all the traits to be an elite quarterback, and I fully expect him to be an elite quarterback just like I expected Teddy Bridgewater to be an elite quarterback when he entered the league. I'm interested by by how you just ranked that out. You go Luck, Cam, and then Jameis. Those are the top three. What about open it up to 21st century? Matt Ryan, Eli, Rivers, Roethlisberger. Man, man you're going all the way back. Where, well, it's, it's, the last, it's the last we're, four we're, years. We're, we're, yeah. Last last four years, I would put him behind Andrew Luck and Cam. I think he's ahead of the rest of the guys. If You, you mean as as being ready for the pros, right? Ready for the pros yeah. coming out. If we had the, all those guys, we were playing pickup, and we were picking guys first, uh, Andrew Luck would go first, Cam Newton would go second. I think Jameis goes third. Hmm. I think he goes ahead of RG3. I think he goes ahead of the rest of the guys that have been top at, Sam Bradford and all those other guys. Jameis is more advanced in terms of doing things than some of the quarterbacks that we've some seen come out in recent history, even more advanced than Cam was because Cam played in the spread. We didn't know what Cam would be. We knew he was immensely talented, probably even far more talented than we give him credit for. But Jameis is ready to play. Really, when you look at what Andrew Luck was able to do at Stanford, Jameis Winston did a lot of the same things at Florida State in an offense that required him to do a lot of those pro-like things. Bucky, one of the things that I've heard more about Jameis Winston than any of those other guys is how much he has this great football IQ. Is that is that the hype machine kind of trying to counter some of the things that we've heard about Jameis that are, are not so good by, by pushing this out, or is that actually true? No, that is actually true, and I can go all the way back because I had an opportunity to be around Jameis when he was in high school. He works at uh, – he went through the Elite 11 camp process. I've been a part of that for the last few years. Watching him, Trent Differ said that this guy, because at that Elite 11, when they get to the finals, they learn a pro-style playbook that has a bunch of concepts, a bunch of complicated things. Two days, Jameis Winston had the book mastered. No one that has come through there has been able to do it like Jameis Winston has been able to do it. When you get him in the meeting room and you have – hear coaches talk about his ability to go up on the board, look at coverage, decipher where the ball can go. In terms of playing chalkboard football, Jameis Winston is a master at that. And so he's ahead of his time when it comes to that. Andrew Luck has outstanding intelligence and intangibles. Jameis Winston is right there with him. And I've heard David Shaw echo those same sentiments in terms of when they were recruiting him and all that other stuff. Well, we know that Ryan Fitzpatrick's success I, well, I don't know this, but I guess I bought the the storyline that while well, he went to Harvard and is super smart, ergo that's it, that's how he's earned his keep in the NFL. But for guys that are good enough, meet a minimum standard of physical ability, which let's say Ryan Fitzpatrick does not. Who is the best combo of that? Peyton Manning, all time smartest QB, best so called football IQ, or uh, he's been asked with a lot. I mean, I think Peyton Manning would be the standard in terms. Of that, but I think other quarterbacks are asked to do a lot. I think obviously the guys that we continue to talk about being at the top, the Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, all those guys are asked to do. A, Matt Ryan is asked to do a ton in Atlanta, and so a lot of the position is very cerebral, being able to understand how to manipulate the defense, how to put your offense in the right situation. Atlanta did a lot of two-minute offense where they put a lot on Matt Ryan's shoulders. So understand what Matt Ryan was asked to do. There's a reason why 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Dirk Cutter are very interested in Jameis Winston. Of all the quarterbacks in this draft, he's the only one that can do that stuff coming in. All right. Black Tie wants us to wrap it up, but I still think this is always a fun conversation to have. Is To me, I still, at the end of the day, if you give me a choice, and you have to take from maybe all of history, the Super Bowl era, I'll take my chances if you say you get three QBs, I get three. You get the cerebral guys that are successful. I I, I don't mean uh, I'm not talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick and Alex Smith. I'm talking about good uh, you know high end QBs. You can have Peyton Breeze and I don't know Troy Aikman. I'll take my chances with Favre, Elway, Roethlisberger, gunslingers. Those guys aren't geniuses, right? With learning playbooks. It depends on what your defense is like. Can you live with the turnovers that you're going to have when you have a Favre and those guys that take chances? Because for all of the hero plays that work out, there are going to be some mistakes that you have to overcome. I would say you asked me who is the best of all those guys, the best combination. Aaron Rodgers is the best combination of athletic playmaker and cerebral playmaker thinking in terms of thinking in the pocket. Handsome. Last thing. Oh, I, th- I mean, I think. Are you with going, me? Or are you with? Well, no. Going back to your to the original conversation, which which you got you got vexed about. I think your team would win Super Bowls, but they would also have losing seasons. I think Bucky's team would probably make the playoffs every year. And my and fans I'm still will be with happier. Bucky on that one. Oh, that's ridiculous! <laughs> Neither one of you believes that in your gut. In your gut, you know I'm right. You'd rather have two Lombardis and 15 years of losing seasons. All right, Bucky's got black ties. Over. Malcolm Jenkins is on his way here. Yep. So black He's on his way, yeah. I was this close to teasing and promoting Daniel Jeremiah's Move the Stakes podcast with James Wilson, but I won't. Go. <laughs> well, you just go. did. You just did. Shame on you, Black Tie. Shame on you. This shows how Black Tie considers you guys. Do you see what this is? How they, oh, Malcolm Jenkins. He's going to come in, so He's don't don't let don't Black let Malcolm is, Jenkins see those two guys. He's always been. Get him out of here. All right, listen, handsome Hank, terrific as always. I, li- I like being on with Hank. Hank gives, I, Hank gives me a little support. That's what Black Tie and I talked about. He said, "Do you want handsome in with Bucky?" And I said, "I love that dynamic." Why we not? Never get it. Why course. not? Black Tie doesn't like that. All right, look now. Black Tie has gone so far as to actually open <laughs> the studio door to get you out. Hold of here. the door open for us. At Bucky Brooks, make sure you track him down. He is a must-follow as uh, as the draft draws ever closer. And at NFL UK Hank is a good follow because I don't. He talks about cricket once in a while, but ninety-nine percent of his tweets are football-related, and so that's why you want to follow him. All right, great stuff, fellas, and we'll kibitz again soon. Dave, damn a shit. Well, will you look at this, everybody? A year later after a Sterling first visit here to Studio 66, once again, it's Malcolm Jenkins. What's the poop, fella? Not much, man. Hanging out in Cali, enjoying the weather. Got a break yeah. from Philly for a little bit. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. well, out of Philly. That's a good move at this yeah. time of the year, huh? Yeah, a little bit. Do you feel like this is cloying on my part? That I'm not trying to curry favor with you. I, I, I'm my own man. It just sort of happened. Uh, how long have you been growing it? Since the Super Bowl. I was in that's Phoenix, a, and it just sort of yeah. – Oh, I bet to trim it down, Malcolm. Oh, there you go. Well, yeah, that's that's good. You were for, what, a couple months? Yeah, I'm swarthy. Yeah. You know? We, one thing I remember about you is that uh, you're a Walking Dead fan, and I want to talk with you about that in a little bit. But also, there's the pressing news about uh, – not depressing news, the pressing news about what Chip Kelly and the Eagles have done this offseason. It seems like some people have opinions about that. So I want to get to all that in a little something that we call, or in fact, I should say Ike Taylor, entitled Check It Out is the name of the segment. It's very simple, Malcolm Jenkins. I'm going to show you some pictures back here. You just, you know, talk from the heart, from the gut, from the beard, whatever place (laughs) you want to speak from, please do and just react, you know. So we'll start out with this one here. Oh, man, I had a baby face. This is long. This is when my hairline was a little stronger and my beard was (laughs) a lot lower. Uh, at an NFL combine. Those are good memories right there. I needed a haircut bad, though. Well, you know, it's funny you say that. Because, well, well first of all, is there any advice you would give him? Because the, you know, these days, people now talk to their younger selves on the social media. So what would you say to this guy? Uh, To that guy, I'd, I'd probably, uh, you know what? I'd tell him not to do anything different. Just stay the path. He was, that guy right there was pretty focused. He was locked in. He wasn't. That the stage wasn't too big for him. He knew what he was getting himself into. Just stayed in college for his last year, got his degree, and is looking forward to playing his uh, you know, playing his his childhood dream out. And so, 
I'll just tell him, keep it up, young man. You've made it. Enjoy every step as you go. I love it. I, mean? I can't believe you're so confident that you don't even wouldn't even revise anything about your life. Uh, I, I feel I, I feel like you know I came to this revelation or revelation uh, a couple of days ago. Life is 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 not always about the successes in life, the failures, and along with the success, the right, the wrong. Everything you live is that's kind of what embodies your full life. And I feel like I've I've made a lot of bad choices. I've made some good choices. Um, but it's all brought me to where I'm at. So I don't I don't change it. I, I wouldn't change anything if I could. How about that? Malcolm Jenkins going deep here as we play our foolish little, little game. Next image up for you. Chip Kelly. I mentioned him. A lot of people are wondering what he's up to. How say you? Man, that's the mad scientist, man. You know, you never know what he's thinking unless you're kind of in the inner circle. And uh, so I know a lot of people have questions. And that's because they don't know Chip, and, and that's the way he likes it. So, um Luckily, I have the you know the chance to talk to him every day to see kind of what his philosophy is, and and um, as a player, um, I trust him, and I know he he's um, really put a lot of trust in me as as one of the leaders on the team. Um, but it's a it's a group effort. It's not he's not a dictator that wants stuff chips way only his way. It's really a collective effort, and he stands out in front of everybody and, and kind of takes the heat. Um, but everybody's in the know, and he's a fun guy. Yeah, he's a good. And it keeps it fun, man. Everything we do. Uh, it's competitive. It, it's uh, it's upbeat. You know, it's it's a light mood uh, in the facility after a win or a loss. It's all the same, um, and it's it's definitely a pleasure to come to work every day. You know, to answer this to me, I I speculate. You know, I I feel like at least half of the football world has reacted to some of the Eagles offseason moves as why this is craziness. So he's 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 undoing all the good stuff that the Eagles have. I look at the 21st century Super Bowl champions, and it seems to me, well, facts are facts, the so-called elite QBs, Brady, Rodgers, Roethlisberger, Peyton, and so on, those guys have combined to win 11 of the 16 Super Bowls, if my count is correct, or 15 Super Bowls of this century. The other teams that have gotten it done are defensively stout and pound you on the ground running the ball, complimentary football as as they like to call it is that the is that the angle it seems like that, the pieces are now there to just really grind you and you know with the additions of you last year and some of the guys brought in this year that the defense is going to be actually really very good right I, I think that's the biggest misconception of, of chip's system is that they see a spread offense and they automatic automatically think that it's a you know run and shoot that they're, mm. they're throwing the ball all over the place and really, it's really predicated on pace, but running the ball. They want to be able to run the ball down your throat, snap after snap as fast as you can take it, um, and then playing solid on defense. And and really, we had you know our stats on defense are never going to look good because we have a lot of uh, a lot of plays on the field. We're going to get a lot of attempts, probably give up a bunch of yards. Uh, the the things we did really good last year was get after the quarterback and stop the run on defense. And um, when you look at Chip's system. You, you think of it as a finesse system, but it's really not. It's really a smash mouth. It's just really, really fast. And so we stop the run well. We get after the quarterback. What we have to do defensively to become one of those dominant defenses is really keep the ball in front of us. We we challenge routes really well. We cover well. I think we're number three in the league as far as completion percentage against us. Um, so that tells you we have tight coverage. The biggest thing, we gave up way too many deep balls. And so if we can keep the ball in front of us, um, you know, we tackle well, we get after the quarterback, you know, I think we become that defense that can take us to a championship where we're not putting it on a quarterback. We're just relying on our run game and our defense and our special teams were number one in the league last year. And that's just the X factor. That's what really makes mm -hmm. us special. We can score points on punt returns, blocks, kickoff returns, all that stuff. Uh, and so it's really a collective team effort. And I think that's where you see Chip putting pieces together so we can be that complimentary team. Yeah, I mean, so three backs at minimum who can really pound you, and then you throw Darren Sproles on top of that, who is uh, an X factor out there. All right, speaking of running backs, let's move on here. That one on the left, does that one make you sad? Uh, you know, it does. He's one of the best backs in the, in the league. And, you know, when you see players like that uh, kind of move out of your doors, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a little – it's a little saddening, but um, you know he's a good guy in the locker room too. He's he's a jokester. He always likes to talk. Keeps the mood really really light. Um, and you know he's going to be special, especially for Buffalo. I think he's going to do a great job. They're going to give him the ball. Uh, it's going to be great for him. But you know we are looking forward to the man on the right. You know he's he's somebody obviously last year leading the league in rushing yards. Um, 
he he's finally finished the season, so we're trying to keep him durable here or in and make sure he finishes it. But we're we're definitely excited about his style of running being downhill. I think it fits perfect in Chip's system. Um, and then a, a, adding uh, Ryan Matthews with that, I think takes some of those carries off of him. So we're not really worried about him getting injured. Um, I think it's going to be an exciting future for us. I love reckless speculation as much or more than just about anybody else. But there's a lot of conspiracy theory about why Shady was moved on. Is it as simple as he's north-south, he's got the wiggle, and that suits what Chip Kelly's looking to do? Or is there some personality thing going on there that people have whispered, Shady and Chip didn't get along kind of? No, I think it's literally just you got a downhill runner and you got a dynamic athlete that can just make guys miss. And I think for Chip's offense, although Shady did well in Chip's offense, I think looking forward, you you look at the cap hit and what you could get with mm-hmm. that money. And, and when you can get a downhill running back who was last year's leading rusher uh, and then pick up some other pieces, I just think it's a smart move. All right, moving on, another important position on the offensive side of the ball, QB. <laughs> Go ahead. I think I like the one on the left. You know, if we can keep him healthy, which I think we can, knowing uh, the strength and conditioning staff that we have, knowing the, the trainers that we have, I think in the offensive line, I think we can keep Sam healthy. And I think when he's healthy, he's uh, really uh, a talented quarterback. And I think nobody really argues that his durability is really the question. Um, I'd rather not hang my hat on a rookie coming in. I don't know how many uh, rookie quarterbacks have won Super Bowls lately, but you know, if that's the goal, then uh, you know, I think we're confident in the guy on the left. What adjective will you use if on draft day you hear, what, Chip Kelly did what? We got Marcus Mariota at, with the eighth pick or something like that. What adjective will describe your emotions? Uh, you ever seen those like uh, memes with the Kermit Frog sipping tea? Uh-huh. That, that would, I would just post that. That would just be <laughs> Cool. <laughs> Remaining elegant. Um, all right, let's move on here next. And, you know, you do have a terrific one. Mine is still, you know, in the early stages. This is a beginner-level beard compared to yours. Bracket, though. Here's an NFL bracket. The best te- the best beards of the last 10 years. Let's rank them here. See, I, I think I like Andrew Lux the best, only because he has, like, the even when he shaves his down, he has <laughs> yeah. the neck beard. It's, it's like an extended beard. Uh Weddles has gotten kind of out of control. It's, yeah, he's need to clean his up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Fitzpatrick, I, I like his. That's trying to throw you off the trail that he, you know, he's a, he's an Ivy League guy. You know, oh. trying to look like a regular fella. <laughs> I think I don't know. That's good man, and then you know, big man. That's a that's a that's a legendary one. His goes down in the Hall of Fame. The black and gold yeah, standard man. there, yeah. Yeah. Well, yours is pretty good. You got the, yours has the look of James Harden. Do you know? I get that a lot. I'm sure you do, but it's got that square. Yours has that kind of like it, it's long and it squares off at the bottom. Kind yeah, of. a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I do it like that on purpose, but I think my chin grows better than my cheeks do. So, you know, I got. Is it is it bad in August? Is it bad when you're in training camp? You know, last year was my first training camp with the beard, uh-huh. so it wasn't that bad. It really? actually wasn't bad at all. I always think, yeah, I wouldn't want to have, like, the dreads, I would think, would be real bad. Yeah, I, yeah. And people with dreads, if they don't take care of them, they stink bad. Mm-hmm. And so I've been in training care where a guy walks by, you like, dude. Fun fact about me, I've never had dreads. Oh, I would have never guessed. Yeah. All right, next up, there was an interesting thing going on with pro football quarterbacks last weekend. And Aaron Rodgers, he was at the Final Four for Wisconsin. Who do you think had the best uh, weekend four high-profile NFL LQBs going to the Wisconsin game. Russell Wilson plays second base for the Texas Rangers, and if I heard correct, he even hit a home run in a minor league game or maybe a show. And then Tom Brady jumped off a cliff and played golf with Michael Jordan. Who had the best weekend? I think Tom Brady by far. He, not only did he play golf and jump off a cliff, but he also played basketball with Michael Jordan too. Yeah. And so I think, you know, he's on vacation. Russell Wilson, he's working out and working – uh, and Wisconsin basketball is not that exciting to me, so I think Tom Brady had to. You know what's weird about the Wisconsin thing? He went to Cal. What's exactly, he, all of a sudden, yeah. he cares so much about what the Badgers do? Right, uh, you know. Yeah, so he's watching a game that he has no interest in. So I think I think I get this one to Tom Brady. What is Malcolm, Jenks, Malcolm Jenkins' greatest celebrity event, moment in your life? Celebrity moment? Brush with greatness, I think David Letterman used to call it. <sighs> oh, well – at a um, charity event for my foundation, um, we had a, a group of kids that we give scholarships to in New Orleans every year, and um, Bill Clinton was the 
keynote wow. speaker. And so I got to, you know, shake his hand and talk to him and just me and him and all the kids got to take a picture. So that was that was probably my best brush of greatness. It was pretty pretty That's pretty awesome. Yeah. You have any words of wisdom for you? No, you know, that was the first time in my life I got starstruck and could not ask anything and I just shook his hand and gave the dumb nod and <laughs> took the picture. <laughs> um, all right, we we reviewed beards a minute ago. A lot of beards are on display in the TV show Walking Dead. Let's move on here. What do, oh, did you see the season finale? I didn't yet. Oh, you haven't watched it? Did not see it yet. Well, I this is a spoiler alert. Oh, oh the zombies still are trying to eat the people. <laughs> so you didn't see it. All right, yeah, no, I didn't see it yet. But you know, it's it's been interesting with this new the, this new season, man. Just the dynamics of seeing people who haven't been exposed to this zombie world and and now you know they look they just look you know savage now and you know we thought they were these cool <laughs> yeah. people and they were great and now all of a sudden you know michonne is the the most <laughs> she's the, the calmest one of them all now yeah yeah all right well listen great stuff one more question shady mccoy demarco murray super bowl's on the line who would you less want to try to tackle at the it's it's fourth and goal at the one pitch out in space Malcolm Jenkins is has his feet on the goal line who do you not want to have to try to tackle see that I mean it's you you changed it a few times when you said on the goal line I'm like okay well I don't want to tackle DeMarco but then you said in space and I'm like ah, I don't want to tackle <laughs> so I mean you know you're going you pick your poison you know DeMarco's probably going to run you over shady you probably won't even touch him Wow. See, that that's the first uh, sign of a lack of confidence from Malcolm Jenkins. I don't blame you. Both those guys would be. Well, my heels are on the goal line. You know, you've given me two <laughs> inches to defend. Uh, it's hard. Believe in yourself. And you'll make that tackle, <laughs> Malcolm Jenkins. All right, listen. Have a healthy and great 2015. Always a pleasure to see you, and uh, thanks for stopping by. I appreciate you having me. Day, oh, out goes Malcolm Jenkins. Boy, this is a rangy show, Black Tie, because waiting to come through the door now, here she is, our old pal. We've talked about NFL uniforms in the past, and here she is to talk about her Final Four. She'll explain it to you. It's Style Girlfriend. How are you, ma'am? How's it going? I don't know why I called you ma'am then. I'll take it, though. I'll be. You like that? Oh, yeah. Then you want to be called, like, uh, doll? Madam Style Girlfriend. No, I don't want to be called doll. Who would call me doll? I don't know. I think, like, ma'am, you know, connotes. I mean, there's a certain elegance to it, I suppose, but you don't, you know. It's deferential. That means you're. you're Long in the tooth, though. Either way, go to stylegirlfriend.com right now. Explain the final four you have. As always, your site provides a template for the fella who may not be as Natalie dressed as I generally am. They don't know their way around, uh, around you know, around the, well, I was trying to think of what's a cool clothing reference, but <laughs> the gap ain't exactly it. No, it's not. No, no, no. I don't need your input, Black Tie. I, I can handle myself in the world of fashion. You know, Style Girlfriend's for everyone from the guy who is starting at zero to the guy who maybe knows what he likes, but doesn't want to sift through 10 pairs of jeans. He wants someone to tell him here's the one pair of jeans that would look good on you so style girlfriends you know kind of runs the gamut so yes it, it could even help a, a natalie dress guy like yourself thank you i i you know again i don't know that i need it but now you have identified the 21st century's most stylish celebrities right yes that's and put right. together a bracket here how many started it out 64 fellas 64 well there was 66 we had um child star play in so it was between prince george and david beckham's son romeo uh but yeah we ended up with 64 uh you know everyone from actors to musicians to politicians to those people that get photographed for for reasons that are sort of beyond our comprehension and we distributed them into four regions which are not you know southwest whatnot but they're they're by male style icons so it's the kennedy region the mcqueen region the basquiat region and the bond region and we actually we had to sort of play it by ear. And I like the I, I like the I like the regions the the yeah, that distinction that's made in each of those four regions. And it's fun because you know we we were really only looking at 2015, so you know we could have done sort of March Madness of style icons, but we wanted people to be living, 
to be culturally relevant, <laughs> just to keep things in. Who's the best dressed of the last hundred years? Cary Grant? I got to give it to Steve McQueen. McQueen? I love the guy. Why? Because he had like a rugged vibe to him? Because he could dress up and dress down and he looked just as good, ah. whether he was on a motorcycle and a boat. Who who well, who among the living does that? Can can go back and forth between. I mean, I think there's a lot of guys that that do it really well. Gosling, Ryan Gosling, who's in our final four. I think he's someone who looks fantastic in a suit. And also your final four is who? Go ahead, lay it. So, out. so to be clear, this was voted on by the readers. There were some upsets that I was I was actually a little bothered by that my readers chose to to leave it's by the wayside. It's your site. Can't you rig it? <laughs> Next year. Next year, that's absolutely the plan. So from the Kennedy region, we have Ryan Gosling. From the McQueen region, we have JT. From Basquiat, we have Daniel Craig, James Bond. What what makes it Basquiat? Well, first question, do you know who JT is, Damshuk? She just I know who JT is. Oh. Justin Timberlake, <laughs> you creep. Do I know who he is? I love that you – it is remarkable to me that black tie – can try to give me the hi-hat on pop culture. Well, that is an outrage. Burn. Well, you're just kind of dated, that's all. I'm, I, I am not <laughs> dated in any well, – well, literally, I, in my lifetime, have rarely dated. You're actually uh, – that's very well, right. That too, yeah. My rate of success with women is about one woman falls into my trap every <laughs> decade or so. That's well, about my pace. That's a that's a beautiful way of putting it. Yes. Who says romance is dead? Well, I've said it before, and I'm going to say it to you now. I am really the love skunk <laughs> because I like a skunk. Once damn as shit gets on you, I don't mean physically. <laughs> so let's get back on track here, guys. Once once damn as shit <laughs> once once damn shit's in your life. Wait. Good luck washing them off. You're gonna like this. So the the I don't like the way you just you just skipped region. over that. I think it makes you nervous. <laughs> I know. I like the way she did that. I don't know pretty, if I want to get sprayed. Um, <laughs> so the dark horse from the Bond region that no one saw coming is a very dapper Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, that's I understand the psychology of of uh, the of your readers voting for him because if it's all guys voting for it, he makes guys feel better about themselves. If if everybody's more, nobody wants to live in a world where everybody's more handsome. Jeff Goldblum looks like a schnook. Ergo, he's kind of like us. But in very slim fitting jeans and a nice a nice hat. Yeah. Some fitted jackets recently. You yeah. were unhappy. That's the one I, I, I then I'm going to guess you're unhappy about. You know what? No. Actually, I'm I'm a little disappointed that Justin Timberlake has made it this far. Why? I thought he's the height of fashion. You know, while I'm very excited that Ryan Gosling and, and JT are facing off because it makes for a Mickey Mouse Club Mouseketeer face off, ah. I, I, I find that poetic. But I just, I think Justin Timberlake is someone who has people around him who dress him. You know, whether it's for his tours or for the red carpet, I don't think he has a lot of personal style on his own. If you see him, you know, in a paparazzi picture going to get coffee, he still kind of looks like a former boy bander. Like hmm. he wears, you know, the sweats and the, the T-shirts with the like tattoo kind of things on him. But he doesn't wear that that often anymore. I mean, he's, he's most generally photographed at an event, at a concert. So, you know, if he's dressed by Tom Ford, of course, he looks great, but... Does he, you know, can he put together an outfit? Can he open his closet and, and put something together? I'd argue not as well as, as some of the people that he beat out to get to the final four. I'm not sure about all of that, but I have my own fashion questions for you. First of all, where do we come down now? I feel like with the colored socks, with the, the, the striped socks and the fancy socks and everything, five years ago I blazed a trail in this, in this area. <laughs> I... Had the all the you know the fun striped socks and everything, but it's sort of like I was in on a band before everybody else, and now I think the band stinks because now everybody's in on it. It's enough with with guys complimenting each other like your sock game is tight on Twitter, all that stuff, <laughs> right? Too much sock game on fleek. Right. Uh I don't know. I never liked those people that stopped liking bands when they got popular. Shouldn't you be happy? It's pretentious. Shouldn't, yeah, I mean, shouldn't you be psyched for them? Like, oh, my God, this band that I've, you know. Yeah, but I, I owe it to myself to move past that trend. So then are you just no socks now? No, like, What's no, going on? Never, never. No. I'm, I, well, that's my next major question, of course. <laughs> but 
so yes, so you are still you feel like celebrate the fancy sock business. I'm, I'm all for a bold sock. Well, you One understand of the ways to put some personality, especially in a more corporate look. If you have to wear a suit every day, like a little you know red peak, you know at your ankle, that's that's like sticking it to the man, right? That's what I was doing five years ago. Then everybody else started doing it, and, and now I feel like it. I have to zig when they zag. Mm. You dig? So what's the zig? Well, Bo Brummel, noted fashion maven. Sure. What is Bo Brummel? I always use that, but what did he do exactly in this world? Did he design clothes or something? Oh, you didn't get the reference. No, you I nodded like, oh, yes, of course. I'm surprised sure. you know who Bo Brummel is, Dave. I was thinking, who was I thinking? Who is the football coach that beat out Joe Pa for... The football like the coach. Winningest, it was like Bo something. Oh. Uh, of, that's what I was thinking of. Who are you thinking of? Are you thinking of uh, like Before, Bobby guys, Bowden? Bobby guys, Bowden. Uh, <laughs> Bo. I was, uh, who is Bo? Schembechler? I, I had a question while you guys were trying to figure all that out. Who would make the NFL Final Four? I know those I'll NFL get to that. But the- all right, go ahead. He likes yeah. to make it NFL-y. But my, my fashion question before you answer that one is. Okay. Because it's more important. I mean, the football stuff matters, but this is about society. <laughs> what? Where do you come down on men wearing sandals? Oh, I'm against it. Yes. I'm very against it. Thank you. Thank I don't want to see your toes. I don't want to see my toes most of the time. Uh, is that – I say this all the time. And, again, I'm not trying because you're here. I'm not trying to win you over. But <laughs> understand, I feel that women do a lot to put out their best possible version for for people to look at when they go out into the street. Bras are uncomfortable, according to a lot of women. Then again, some women say that they're actually, they're helpful. But anyway, that, there's the whole makeup thing you do, the hair thing. This this consumes a, a gigantic portion of your waking hours. Sure. The least we can do as a gender is not go out in, in our, in our, you know, sandals, in our, it's true. Slippers we can put mascara on. You can put socks on, or at least shoes. Oh, but it's so clothes. comfortable. I think it's. I think it's a horrible look, right? Women. Women are lovely creatures. Men, as Seinfeld said, utilitarian. You know, we don't. No one wants to see what you have going down there. You know, I don't even have to deal with this that often. I live in New York, so you know, nobody wants to be on the sidewalks there without shoes. Or what about shorts on fellas? Oh, I'm I'm in favor of shorts. You like shorts. I, just I don't. I be a little shorter. I think guys, you know, that walk around with the cargo shorts that go past their knees. That's that's a little too much. Give me more skin. Do you know I don't oh. wear shorts? I wear them to work out, which you know happens a couple times a year. Sure. So essentially, so I don't like wear one shorts. Pair. Right. Yeah, and I I will grudgingly wear uh, swim trunks if I'm going to be taking a dip in the sea. What about just one of those, like, olden time, like the onesies? <laughs> that would be ideal for <laughs> With me. the stripes? Yeah, you should like get me one of those. Hat? Yeah, what, the bowler hat was always the confusing part of that. At the, at the they beach. didn't have sunscreen back then. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. All right, answer Black Tie's question here. NFL's most fashionable. This one's so easy. That's why I'm not enthused about it because I know who she's going to say before she says it. I'll tell you who it is. It's number 12 of the New England Patriots. <laughs> he didn't make the list, actually. Uh, we did have um, Victor Cruz and Colin Kaepernick in SG Mac. Uh, you know, you're on the red carpet at NFL Honors, the big uh, award show, the night before the Super Bowl every year. That's where I first met you. And you have always been on this Colin Kaepernick train. I'm on the train. I, I'm, I'm not as enthused about his look. I think he's a dapper guy. He did lose to Benedict Cumberbatch in the first round, so my my readers tend to agree with you, it seems. He looks good up close. Mm. He does, huh? Benedict Cumberbatch is kind of like the man, though. That's my boy. As, as I know you love him. It's very yeah. strange that you love him so much. Speaking of movies, are you aware of Black Tie's thing? Yes. We have our own little bracket here. You can go to NFL.com slash check and check it out. Black Tie, there is a ins- there's an insane list of movies that he's never seen. They include Forrest Gump, Star Wars, Pulp Fiction, Top Gun, Godfather, Goodfellas. What am I forgetting? Fight Club. Raiders of the Lost Ark, and so on. So yep. we did a little bracket. We're now at the Final Four. Would you like to know who is in this Final Four? I do, but I am also – I'm already nervous because I I have not seen – I'm going to guess that uh, Stalgarfin here has not seen the Final Four neither. 
But like I said, I, I promised to watch the Final Four, so here they are. All right. Well, give it. Give yourself a drum roll, Black Tie. This is it. We've the fans have voted. Everybody has cast uh, has cast their ballots now. This is it. You're going to watch these Final Four, and then you take it from here and rank them one, two, three, four, and provide brief little. Um, reviews, and that will happen when? How Are you going to do this in the next 48 hours? Uh, the next 48 <laughs> hours? I have a job, please. All right. Uh, so over the weekend, I mean, you'll get it done. Uh, well, the next month or so. You, not next month. You don't. Uh, next month. We've been doing this for the last two weeks. You're not then going to spread out uh, basically seven or eight hours worth of, of viewing over, over a month. Over the next couple of weeks. Who do you think you done. are? What? I'm so busy <laughs> right. that you can't watch movies. All right. Let's go with the final four right here. This is it, guys. Oh. This is it. Exciting. Pretty long drum roll. I don't know why it's this long. <laughs> Other shows would have given you the drum roll as our guest, <laughs> Style Girlfriend. Instead, Black Tie gives it to himself. But well, right. to the bracket. Um, all right, so <laughs> final four, first matchup. Pulp Fiction beat out Shawshank Redemption by the closest of margins. Ooh, about 50.7 okay. to 49.3. So Pulp Fiction is going up against Star Wars Episode well, it's not Wait, going up against. Not. Now you're just now. This is the final four. Yeah, you have to the watch them four. and rate them. Yeah, right. and then you know. Okay, right. And then other, the so other you do have to watch Star Wars. All right, that one makes me very Which, happy. It's, That's the one I really. It's want episode to five in the bracket, but I really might say episode four. I know, but like, I wouldn't know because I've never seen it. As soon as you see four, <laughs> your next thing's gonna be where's five? I gotta watch that one now. Empire is the best of of the uh, of the movies. The other matchup, the second matchup, is the Godfather beating out Fight Club. Uh, huh? I'm much happier with that. I already own Godfather. Yes, so. you do. I can't own it but haven't seen it yeah. can you imagine it i just gave a show no you're trying to be like look what a man i am let me explain it to you megan collins the <laughs> st- aka style girlfriend i'm sorry um i didn't mean to pull Get back the branding, the curtain. Right? i didn't mean to to pull the curtain back <laughs> i gave black tie the godfather and godfather <laughs> two still in the for christmas and for christmas <laughs> And We're in the springtime. He hasn't been able to find the the time in his busy I love schedule that you to watch DVDs as a present. Wait, well, that's I I feel special. I feel it's, uh, it's a moral obligation, obligation to try and help him. Then a then a good like a thoughtful feeling. It was more of an obligation. He felt like he needed to. So Godfather's going up against the Raiders of the Lost Ark, which I'm Yay. not happy about at all. That is the one movie. Solo v Jones. You can't get see. better. Doctor Jones v Solo. Yeah. Wow. Yikes. You should you should walk, watch all of them back to back. I feel like this needs to be like a pressure cooker yeah. situation. What do you think about that? Who's the best dressed out of that group? Han Solo, Indiana well, Jones. Well, Harrison Ford's in it twice. Uh, Michael Corleone. No, we're not. I'm not talking about the actors. I, I, know, mean, I couldn't care less. Solo wears the black vest with the white shirt thing underneath. It's pretty timeless. With the little with the yeah, three right. buttons, but no collar. Yeah. Then he wears the navy blue pants with the cool red stripe down the side. I give it's points for that. Mod. And the black boots. And he's got the blaster on his hip. I don't know. I don't think that you can get better than Indiana Jones, though. That Dr. Hat. Jones with the hat. Yeah, That's the very hip. Steve McQueen, right? Like, could you imagine walking around with a whip? I mean, he pulls it off. I, you know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The greatest fight in movie history is in Flash Gordon when Prince Baron and Flash Gordon get it on in a confined space <laughs> and they have a whip fight. Can you imagine having a whip fight? That would be terrifying. There's no winner of that one. I mean, you can't get out of that. You don't win a whip fight. You survive it, maybe. <laughs> All right. And then we go Michael Corleone. Right. And then what's the other movie you have to see here, Black Tie? Um, and I also have to see Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Fiction. Oh, and Pulp oh, Fiction. John Travolta. So we'll go, yeah, we'll go Jackson. Sam Jackson and John Travolta's fashion. I think it's got to come down between Sam Jackson and, and Indiana Jones. And? And who wins? Yeah. I think Indiana Jones wins. I think we've just come up with the great, uh, the, the 2016 bracket for style girlfriend <laughs> am i right i think you might have movie character yeah except the only problem with that is i can't imagine that james bond won't win ultimately but which james bond like can and we that put brings them us back to yours daniel craig is yeah that, i think so yeah yeah you could go connery we could just all go in the bond range as a matter of fact connery yeah roger Harris. moore's out because he wears 70s fashions and that doesn't those haven't yeah, held he'd up he's seated pretty low yeah you get 60s don yeah. draper and if you open it up you could then have 2017 all set as well if you save 2017 for TV characters. Oh. You could go Draper, but if you just open it up to TV and movie characters, 
Then you're talking about you got Matt, you get I Draper. Think you split them otherwise. That's that's not a fair fight. You can't put TV guys up against movie guys. I don't know how many TV guys are going to make that list. Yeah, right. Well, who is who would be there? Uh, Literally, the first person that came to mind was Tim Allen in Home Improvement, and I have no idea why. <laughs> well, I was just going to like say. That, I think we'd be scraping the bottom of the barrel by by the time we got to. Doctor Heathcliff Huxtable. In those, uh, in those, those god-awful sweaters. sweaters. Oh, gosh. In hindsight, the least of his problems. But still, <laughs> probably not a great look. Um, we'll have to think. We'll brainstorm. All right. That, it, yeah, that's in the future. But I do like this idea. I think there's a, lot of, a lot, lot of potential there for this Well, one. again, I think that's what we've got. Some people, I feel like some people were voting for these guys' characters. Like, again, does Daniel Craig have Final Four style? I don't know. But he's in the Final Four, and he looks great in a turtleneck and the Spectre posters. That's the thing with me. I don't know how these people dress in real life, but I see him in the movie, so that's what my vote would be based on. And are you still – I do – listen, there's nothing I enjoy more (laughs) than finding in Us Weekly. When I find one laying around – I love taking it out, seeing what's going on with uh, with all the Just celebrities, who they're with. Yeah. I also get caught up to speed. That's why Black Tie doesn't understand. My secret weapon is the occasional Us Weekly magazine. That's I, Do I know who Iggy Azalea is? No, I didn't. But do I thanks to Us Weekly now? You can now? drop those pop culture you references. You bet I do now. All right. Listen, Style Girlfriend. Go to stylegirlfriend.com because the voting is still up and running. Of the names you said, Goldblum. Gosling. Daniel Craig, Gosling, and Jake. Timberlake. Timberlake. Make your make your vote there. It is Style GF at Style GF. On Twitter, yep. And stylegirlfriend.com. <laughs> Cast your vote. What a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R.